It's Naya Swami Parvati, and this is Naya Swami Pranaba, and we're very happy to be here today to share the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda with you. I'd like to read and also just welcome all of our visitors, whether you're coming for the first time, you're here for a program, you're just stopping by from Grass Valley or Nevada City, we very much appreciate having you here and are very happy that you've been able to come today. I'd like to read now from Rays of the One Light. These are based weekly commentaries based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita and written by Swami Kriyananda. Today's topic, Dogmatism versus Common Sense. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 7, Jesus warns, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, Every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Jesus here, as indeed many times during his teaching, counsels people to use their God-given common sense and not to rely on high-flown but undemonstrable claims. Common sense goes beyond abstract reason, for it is rooted in actual experience. Even common sense, however, is deficient when the judgment called for goes beyond sensory experience. Ultimately, what he emphasized always, therefore, was intuitive perception— Thus, he expected more of his disciples than crude common sense and often scolded them for being too literal-minded, as he did elsewhere when they thought his statement, I have meat to eat that ye know not of, meant that that he had steaks or sandwiches secreted about his person. His reference, of course, was to spiritual, not material substance. Words, even though appearing in the scriptures, are no substitute for direct perception of truth. Therefore, the Bhagavad Gita says in the second chapter, The sage who knows God has as little need for the scriptures as one might have for a pond when the whole land is covered in flood. Thus, through holy scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. It reminds me of these microphones that aren't working now that uh, I remember hearing about when the Beach Boys got together uh, you know, they had, there were three Wilson brothers and then a couple of other people that formed the Beach Boys. And they had uh, uh, great ability, but their father, the Wilson's boy's father, demanded to be the sound tech person. 
They realized soon afterwards that he wasn't good at it. So they gave him a dummy soundboard. <laughs> and this is true. They continued to have him enjoy uh, doing that without telling him that it actually had no effect. So <laughs> this microphone has no effect. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. This is taken from Paramahansa Yogananda's book of Sacred Prayer Demands, Whispers from Eternity. Let me be Christian, Jew, Hindu, Buddhist, Mohammedan, or Sufi. I care not what be my religion, race, creed, or color, if only I can win my way to thee. But let me be none of these if that identity enmeshes me in an enclosing net of religious or social formalities. Let me travel the royal high road of realization which leads to thee. If I am traveling on some bypath of religion, lead me onto the one common highway of realization which leads straight to thee. Send me the sunshine of thy wisdom that it lead me to the morning of my growing powers. And send me the moon of thy mercy to guide me rightly if I am ever lost in the dark night of sorrow. This topic, uh, dealing with dogmatism, common sense, of clarity and, and expansiveness, is vital to all of us, even if we're exploring what our spiritual path might be, um, perhaps we're new to our spiritual journey, or perhaps we've been many years on our spiritual path. Dogmatism is one of those real powerful tools of maya, that come, maya meaning delusion, that can sneak in at times when we think we're absolutely clear of it. Uh, it reminds me of a movie I saw recently where this high-level executive of this company was sent to uh, the Dakotas to a small town where this new company had, had taken over this manufacturing plant. And she was very much a city woman, and the people, of course, were much more rural where she was going. And the woman that she was working with uh, was very kind and supportive. Um, but at one point they were driving in a car and this woman asked the executive, have you found Jesus? And she, the, the, the executive responded in a way that many of us heard, I didn't know he was lost. <laughs> and then the other person responded very seriously, you can joke about it, but this is very serious for us here. And I thought, you know, it's more the presentation then what was said, the energy around it was much more, this is it, you know, you need to find Jesus. It reminds me of another thing that I read in a church bulletin, which we've mentioned a couple of times before, that uh, the morning service, the topic was Jesus walking on water, and the evening service was looking for Jesus. <laughs> Well, what are we really looking for? You know, when you think of religion, what its true purpose is, it's really there to uplift, to really bring us into expansiveness, to have a clarity where we more and more find the presence of God in our own lives. Now, I can tell you a lot of people don't agree with that and don't think that what religion is about. But if you really have any sensitivity and, and opening to why religion is significant at all in our lives, it would have to move in that direction. It would have to go beyond 
as it said in the readings, the, the whispers here, the identification that we are that experience of limitation, we're much more than that. There's no religion that can ever define who each one of us is in our relationship with God. All religion can do at best is give us uh, momentum that gives us the the flow that allows us to see not so much even where we're coming from, but where in this point in time can we go forward? Where can we grow in that experience? And really, you know, each one of us, if we're really looking at our spiritual journey in, in a very refined way, we need to really appreciate that we will be caught by dogmatism, either in a personal, more internal way, or in a group way. I mean, group dynamics have a tremendous tendency to uh, either have us accept dogmatism or reject dogmatism, but they're both dogmatic if they're not done from our personal experience. So even rejecting dogmatism, if it's done from a, a further dogmatized approach, is not doing any better with it. And so you see today, the rejection of dogma isn't really the point. It's the rejection of dogmatism that really is clear. I just read in yesterday's Time magazine, or this week's Time magazine, there's an article about how there's an increasing number of people that feel they have a religious focus that are non-affiliated with any church organization. And they jokingly call them the nons, the N-O-N-E's, the nons. But over a sixth of our population, and remember, if you've read studies before, surveys, something like 85 to 90% of people in this country believe in God in a huge spectrum of possibilities. But of those 90% of the several hundred million people in this country, one-sixth of those people don't feel to be identified with any group or church or organization in that way. Well, it's because of the time we're in, in this age, where we really know more and more there's got to be something beyond this. Now, I can tell you that a lot of organized religion has responded to the statistics saying, that it's just a weakening of the spirituality of America, that people aren't wanting to be affiliated. That's how a lot of the church organizations have responded, saying, we haven't done our part to really draw these people in. Well, that's a given. The point is, <laughs> the point is, what will draw people in? Is it to entertain them? Is it to give them more of the outward part of their spiritual life? Well, that will help. That will certainly help some people. But anyone that's refined, anyone that's going to really seek the deeper truths in religion, will go past that expression, that identity. Still may remain in it as something that supports them, but they will, by need, go to the experience of their own self-realization. So when Yogananda came and talked about self-realization being the religion um, of the time and the future to come, he wasn't saying it was contained with any organization or body of people, but really that whether you accept the dogmas of one tradition or another or don't accept any being a non, that self-realization would have to be what allows us to come into a deeper experience. Without that, it would just be following something external. And again, that can take you so far, and many people will feel... That's great just to be there. But in all of us, as I said, there is a personal challenge with being dogmatic, as well as the outward expression of that. 
And really what it comes down to, that each one of us needs to be refining what we're doing. We, we can't be static. We can't accept the status quo of who we are personally in our spiritual growth. It really has that constantly, not from tension, not from pressure, but from longing, from yearning, from opening up, we want to come to the most refined experience where we no longer exist in that relationship. Now that's mind-blowing, of course, to a lot of people. I mean, it may be fine for all of us here in this room, and maybe not. But for a lot of other people, it may be far too far to reach talking about their own spirituality and religion. But you know, I bet if you were really to come to focus with each person and really see that, you know, it's not about belief, but tying it into your own experience, almost everyone would say there'd be more to it than even the best creed or credo that religion can offer. Not, I don't mean better or in that sense, but more that for each person there's something that's there that the heart yearns for that's deeper than that outward expression. But, you know, for each one of us, again, whether we're brand new to the spiritual journey, at least in this lifetime, or we're, we're fairly well along the way, what is it in our own experience that's there? Well, you know, it demands of us truthfulness, of being honest. It demands a much deeper level of integrity, personally, to really be in this way of looking at things. Because if you think of dogma, all that I've said so far is dogma. So it's just whether we dogmatize it and impress that this is what you need to believe in. Swami Kriyananda has often said that rather than teaching people, He's often emphasized more sharing with people. So it's an offering. Will this be something that you can take on in your experience? Well, for ourselves personally, uh, we will run across times when indeed um, it might, might not be that easy to determine what really is the dogma and the dogma, dogmatics about that. And if we assume we're above it, unless we're Jiva and Muktans freed in this lifetime, completely freed souls, it's probably going to be a backdoor sneaking of Maya of delusion coming in and, and catching us. But if we can think that we're moving towards something, we're expanding past the definition, then we can understand that even when we have to have dogma, we can grow with it. For instance, if you know the science of the chakras, the inner um, science of the energy flows in the astral being that we all have, that each chakra has qualities. And these centers um, both are the core of that quality or qualities, but they're also where those qualities are expressed from. And so the base chakra, at the very base of the spine, that the positive side is being grounded, or really having that sense of determination of commitment. Well, the negative side is what we would normally call being dogmatic, where we become uh, enmeshed in the dogma, But it isn't so much the dogma is the problem. Because even when we're at that level of being caught by being dogmatic, it may still prove to be a healthy thing depending on where we're at spiritually. I mean, a good example is when you've come from an environment where the people around you, the family that you're with, are maybe ensconced in a certain belief system that you're feeling more and more that isn't your fit. 
You know, they may be very fundamental, whatever religion, or they may be agnostic. They may not believe in anything spiritual. And suddenly you come across a teaching that really inspires you, that sparks in you that opening of your own consciousness. And you start to move in that direction. Well, for a lot of people, it won't work just sort of saying, I don't want what you have, and I'm going to go this direction. It's almost like we need to stand up and be counted in a somewhat more dogmatic fashion at that point. Just to shift out of that reality that's drawing us with a lot of energy and a lot of magnetism back into that world that we were familiar with. The danger, of course, is that if we hearken to that dogmatism too long, we get into the rut of that. So you can see why being self-honest, being truthful and having integrity is very, very important. And it's subtle things that need to be there. But what really gives us the ability to, to overcome being dogmatic? It's transformation. It's really why we keep talking about, in every second sentence, or every second conversation, that meditation has to be integral to what we're doing. Because we can't just change the mindset and say, I want this, I don't want this, without the pull of the momentum that's already in place or the pull of the magnetism of those around us um, that don't allow us to go forward. But if we really not only aspire, but then really allow ourselves that deepening inner experience through inner communion, through meditation, then it's possible. I've said this before at other Sunday services, the way that our brains are designed, that if we're around an authoritarian uh, approach to philosophy, religion, or anything, that the brain starts to diminish in its potential. It's not as if it's a quirk. It's, it's a design of who you are. When we're around people that have more light, that are around the real custodians of what religion really is, then that expands us. The brain functions in a more open, expansive way. There's more interaction. There's more potential that becomes real as an experience. Well, that's what's real in our own makeup. It isn't something we're whimsically saying, if I meditate, I'll be better, and I hope that'll be the case. These things are happening. They're not the dogma of saying, I want this to happen. They're really the experience from the aspiration into who we really are. And so that's why being around others that have been in that process of refinement, in that process of bringing their inner life more to the forefront of their complete experience, is important for us. That that magnetism that's around that kind of energy creates the opening where it supports us in our own transformation. And so this week, for instance, we're celebrating on Wednesday the Mahasamadhi, that great conscious exit of a great soul in Paramahansa Yogananda, and likewise on Friday on the 9th uh, for Swami Sri Yukteswar, who was Yogananda's guru. So by being in that magnetism of, of the great masters, of what they offer us, whether in the body or not in the body anymore, is really the way for us to understand what the model can be for us to be in that transformation and to be changed completely. But then what also is there available to each one of us are the, the people, the souls that have uh, 
done that dedication in their lives that are around us, the people in this room, uh, being around the people that have really said, this is my life, this is my offering of being completely in this experience. You know, the idea of us wearing blue for some of us, for instance, is, is an interesting one. I know it, in a renewal week was just a few weeks ago. It was a week-long program for the community and guests to deepen their experience. And Joe Dish and Davey gave some very powerful, inspiring talks. And before each class in the morning, we had music, Swami Kriyananda's music. And the first morning, Monday, that the school children were brought up and they sang. And one of the children just burst out, Boy, there's a lot of blue out there. And, and I've heard people say, why is there so much blue here? Um, because what's really happening with us wearing blue for those that are Nayaswamis or those that are Tiagis to wear white for the Brahmacharis to wear yellow? What's really happening? Is it just a dogma that we're following because we should be doing this? Well, that's easy the case at times. And all I can say is, sure, I've felt that at times myself. But to look at it as um, a symbol representing something more than the form, empowers, I know for me, it empowers me to feel the strength of that commitment that I've made to my vows. So it allows that exchange to be there. But it's so easy to slip into, I'm a Naya Swami, and let those colors reflect that part of the ego. And so there always is that need for that refinement, for that looking at self-honesty of looking into the depths of who we are, of really having the integrity to see, is this really leading me towards God or not? Because between the next person beside you and the other person on the other side of you and you, you may be at very different places along the journey of what's happening spiritually. And so we need to respect that uh, someone may need to look at it differently than the way we're looking at it. And yet, is the energy moving in the direction of being expansive? Is it coming from that each person is coming to their personal touch of that experience? When we have that happening, there's lots of room for individuality. And there's lots of need for that individuality. Because it's less and less coming from the ego, and more and more from that soul expression that really allows us to be in that experience more and more. And so we, we have the space in each of our lives for creativity to go past that dogmatism. But we also need to respect that, that adhering to the true teachings and being, in a sense, orthodox is the balance of that. Because without the balance, we will go one way or the other because of Maya's pull of delusion. I remember this story about this... Uh, uh, elderly couple that had been married for whatever sixty years uh, were sitting down in the evening, and the husband said, "Dear, let's really do something exciting and different." And she was thinking, "Wow, maybe we get to go out tonight." And she said, "Well, what do you have in mind, dear? Let's change seats." <laughs> or. Um, uh, this other story of um, this elderly man that was in his 80s or 90s who had lived in the same house for his entire adult life, so 60, 70 years. And um, he decided to move to the house next door that was vacant. And so the local newspaper sent a reporter to, to just find out if this was a human interest story. 
and so the reporter asked the man, so why did you move after all these years? And the man said, I think it's the gypsy in me. <laughs> well, some people take longer to make those changes and others make them right away. But, but what we want to do is feel more, are we opening? Uh, are, is the heart of our true nature the center of who we are in that devotional aspiration? Is it being moved in us to open up to expansiveness and to really, not only for ourselves, but to be instruments of that presence of the divine to many other people? And if we can say that's the case, then that's the true religion. You know, there really is only one religion, isn't there? Um, It isn't defined, though, by the outward trappings. The only true religion is the one that each one of us is on. And there are as many religions as there are people. If we can really feel from that truth, the experience of then living in the world around us, then not only will we expand, but we bring that expansive magnetism into those around us. And so let's endeavor, let's really endeavor to always use the springboard of whatever happens in our lives with the appraisal of self-honesty, of truthfulness and integrity, and find that we really are more and more shining examples of that light of God in our lives. Let's take a moment for meditation. Meditation. 